Hello, and welcome to My Sister Wisdom, the Christian lifestyle podcast with your host, Shannon Vasilakis, that's me, and her sweet seed sisters. Gather with me every weekend as I have conversations with women from all over the world to share our stories and solutions, and of course, a scripture of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Almighty Father, hard work, and lots of free software programs. I am working diligently to expand the podcast to bring you the best possible quality audio and video available, and I could sure use your help. If you would like to donate, my host, redcircle.com, makes it easy to leave a donation of your choice. Please visit this podcast's official page by going to redcircle.com forward slash my dash sister dash wisdom and clicking sponsor this podcaster underneath the picture. I seriously love you and appreciate even the smallest token of your support. 25% of your donation will be given to the organization of the month. For January, we are giving to Dare to Care to help children make healthy choices and for families facing homelessness. You can also share this podcast with all your friends and family because I know you'll love it that much. Without further ado, let's get to the real star of the show, our sweet seed of the week. This week's My Sister Wisdom Sweet Seed is the willful warrior Heather Kate. She is a spiritual warrior for holistic wellness. She has been involved with holistic health and spirituality for about 30 years, and she is also a survivor of narcissistic abuse and domestic violence. Heather pursued unconventional paths in order to heal herself when conventional medicine and therapies did not work for her, and she is passionate about helping others find solutions that work for them. When talking with Heather, I am reminded of the scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Heather is here today to share the wisdom she has gained from her multiple experiences with pathological, narcissistic, and abusive people and how she was able to get out and get into a better place for her to serve. Heather demonstrates her warrior and nurturer mentality through her expression of grief for not being able to change the people who hurt her. Having been a survivor of narcissistic and abusive relationships in my past, I resonate greatly with what she had to say and share quite a bit about my experience and what I have seen. And this was actually recorded back in October of 2020. So this was quite old. And for those of you who are new to the podcast or have been with me for a while, this was recorded before before I was saved by Jesus Christ. So I had to do quite a bit of editing for this episode to be um, acceptable. So please bear with me. And I hope you enjoy the episode and I hope you gain something from this old, old episode that has a lot, a lot we can learn from. Heather has a lot to teach us and we should always remember to keep a safe space from those who want to hurt us and always, always, always pray for them. Here she is. All right, so today we welcome Heather Kate to the show. Heather is a spiritual coach who helps women recover from narcissistic relationships. If you've ever been a survivor of a narcissistic relationship, you are not alone. There are resources for you to get the help that you need um, so you can return back to yourself. If you are in a dangerous situation and you need emergent help, please, 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 please take the initiative to call the Nas- National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. So that's also 1-800-799-7233. 
Having been a survivor of an abusive narcissistic relationship myself, I am so honored to be able to host someone as helpful and generous as you, Heather. Oh, thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here. And it's a pleasure to be talking with you. I look forward to helping as many people as we can. Yes, yes, exactly. And really, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to just provide experiences, real experiences, real perspectives, and real help so that people who are experiencing these very real and very common things can actually see the light and see the way out instead of just hoping and praying. Because that's helpful too, but we already know the way. We've been through it and we're here now. So I will definitely share some of my stories about my past abusive relationship. First, Heather, I'd really like to just get a real professional uh, perspective on this. Can you please share a little bit about what a narcissist is and what a narcissist isn't? Because I know I had a lot of difficult times when I was Googling, what am I experiencing? I had a lot of hard times finding out whether I was the victim or I was the abuser because it can get confusing in that. So can you share a little bit about what it is? Sure. Yeah. Like, so I'll just start from that exact spot because I've been there too. And, you know, I didn't know about pathological narcissism. I thought narcissists were people who were a little overly obsessed with their appearance, but I didn't realize that there was like a, you know, psychological serious problem with it. Um, And it is, you know, at depth, what it seems like on the surface, which is somebody who's super duper insecure beyond anything that you could do to reassure that. But as a nice, probably empathic, kind, giving person, you don't necessarily realize that at first. They're extremely deceptive. So they may, you know, and a lot of times they're really charming and attractive and, um, you know, may seem to have it all together, but they, what they're, they're, unconscious sometimes and sometimes conscious goal is is basically to suck the life out of you suck the spirit out of you to crush your spirit and stop you from being who you really are and what you're meant to do here in the world and we're coming to a point in uh the world where things are separating the good team and the bad team are sifting themselves apart or it's like a centrifuge we're being pulled apart it's just time the trains are leaving the station you can't you know, straddle, you can't be good and bad anymore. Basically you have to choose. And so the battle, I see this as a a really intense spiritual war. There are many battles, but there's a war and it's your job. Should you accept the mission to, um, you know, as a survivor to a survive and to be disentangle yourself and get out of that and heal from it. And I'm here to let you know that you can do this. Lots of people think that you can't. Lots of people feel like they're stuck in a cycle. You don't have to stay stuck there and you don't have to brutalize yourself or go through a trillion years of therapy, but you you can heal yourself. But it's a spiritual holistic approach that I really uh, um, embrace. So a somebody who's a narcissist will use all of your best things against you and they'll try to, which is, you know, your kindness or empathy. They'll try to pick and they'll listen really carefully in the first month or two of knowing you and try to pick up on all the stuff that can hurt you. And then eventually they will start very, they'll groom you just like a pedophile grooms a child, you know, will accept this little teeny little bit of thing. Now accept a slightly bit bigger and bigger, bigger, bigger. And if they're able to damage you before you realize it, that's when survivors um, find themselves in a really big fix. They're in a really big, you know, they're in trouble because there are so many ways to abuse somebody. There's a, 
a pretty common wheel of, of um, domestic violence where there are all these different types of, of abuse that are listed out. Some of them are financial. Some of them mm -hmm. are like socially isolating you from people who can support you and actually give you feedback. Like, no, what that person is saying to you is absolute bull. You know, they want to know that this is going to happen. So if you have a, a good, solid support system, they want to get rid of it. But they also probably won't pick you if you have a really good solid support system because it's too much work. They're inherently efficient. It's it's really evil, honestly. Mm. I consider it a form of possession and usually by more than one evil spiritual being. So some people, you know, you may meet somebody who's a narcissist and think, oh, they have multiple personalities. Well, multiple personalities sometimes are a fractured person, but they're you they usually involve evil entities that come in and run that person puppet. So it's not just some narcissists, <laughs> some narcissists come into this world as, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience. And, you know, at some point or in some way, they want to be good. They want love, real love, real love, not fake love, true love. And so those are the ones that are super tricky because it's like the evil beings use that part or that you know, personality or that teeny little weak fractured part of the real spiritual being as bait. So people that are loving and kind, you know, can see and sense that goodness in them and they connect with it and they fall in love. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you're a determined, strong person, you're going to fight through for your person that you're in love, <laughs> but they're going to use that energy. Narcissists use that energy to live off of. So mm -hmm. the way you know, if you're, you know, if somebody's, so that's narcissism, narcissism in a narcissist, but if somebody is not a narcissist, if you have a conflict between the two of you, then they're going to be willing to work it out. And they want both of you, meaning you included as well as them to come out in a positive place. I want, you know, there should be, there's a win-win thing going on as opposed to win sacrifice. So, so that's one way to know if you're involved, if you're just in a situation where your, your head isn't super clear and you're trying to work something out with somebody, you want to, to look and see, are they seeing you ultimately? Um, or is it all you feeding them? Uh, another way to look at it is, you know, are your gifts being reciprocated in a way that is good for you? So if they're not, um, and if you're not sure if somebody's the right person for you, or if they're a narcissist, a surefire way to tell if they're a narcissist or not is to call them on their bullshit, but only do this in the beginning of the relationship. It's not safe later. So yeah. you've got to call them on their bolt, see what happens. If they are a narcissist, they will blow up um, or go away because they'll, if it's early, early, they'll, they'll be like, eh, it's not going to be worth it. This isn't going to you know, pay off for me. But if you are deep in the relationship and you're starting to realize these things, do not confront because a couple of things happen. You, when you engage in confrontation with a narcissist, they're just feeding off the anger there's some things about Harry Potter and like the Dementors that that's yes. so accurate, wow. you know, so accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, so don't feed into it. Um, yeah. And I, I have a slightly different take on, um, you know, how to handle a domestic violence situation. If you, you know, if you need help, um, 
yes, those those hotlines can be helpful, but they may not be helpful. The most important thing to do is get out mm -hmm. and don't let the narcissist know. Um, and you can go to my YouTube channel or my website, which is uh, peacockandpaisley.com or on YouTube, it's just Peacock and Paisley. And I have a video all about how to win against gaslighting. Gaslighting mm, yeah. is when somebody tries to, when the narcissist tries to turn everything around and tangle things up and make you feel like you're crazy or that, you know, you're the one that's, they'll, they'll claim that you're the one that, for instance, is cheating when actually they're cheating. That's another way to know exactly. if you're dealing with a narcissist. Everything that they accuse you of that you haven't done is guaranteed to be stuff that they're doing. Yeah. So it's, it's hard, but, um, at least conflict with them as possible and then get out. And it can be really hard, you know, if you actually really, really love this person, but if you're hearing this now, I mean, you're, you're in a place where you're wondering, um, if you need to get out, please start doing, don't change anything on the outside of you. Take this as all. a sign. Take this as a sign. If you're experiencing that right now and you're wondering, take this as a sign because there is no other option. It is yes. Time for you to get out. That's something that I, I, you hit on so many, so, so many points that I was completely blinding myself. And I say that blinding myself too, because I was aware of them. I just didn't want to take in the gravity of what that meant because I did love him so much. Like it was crazy. It was literally crazy, but everything you said spot on, it was the first couple months that, well, first it was like first three months that we were really together where everything was so magical and perfect and amazing and dreamy. And wow, I could never have expected I could bring someone into my life this great and this true and this honest and this accepting and, you know, opened up all my gifts to him so soon. But at the same time, he, he really wasn't opening anything to me he was really just kind of, it was just a lot of giving me giving and him thanking me. But, you know, I took that thank you as like, a, Oh, I made him feel good. Now I feel good. So being that giving person, it can lead us astray. If we think that the only thing we should be receiving back always is our own internal gratification of helping somebody or, he, or them being happy. It was like that codependent attachment that neither of, us, neither of us realized we had, but had just so automatically developed itself. And because I was very empathic. And one of the things that I want to add to what you said is that in my experience, they will claim to be what you are. So <laughs> So that if they're paying attention, you're right. They're, they're observing that act, those actions. They're going to say, oh, I want that because that person's willing to, you know, give me whatever I want as long as I'm happy. So it, that was how it kind of started was I know you're doing this because I feel it, which at first I didn't think much of it. And then as it got worse, and this was really where one thing that you said was very, very, very accurate was accusing me of cheating. I started going to school and I was going to college and I would drive from one part of the city to the other. And then I'd work afterwards in the city. And so I'd be gone for a lot, a long part of the day. And so would he, he'd be working. And it, there's all of a sudden became this thing that he was telling me that I wasn't actually going to class. And that I was skipping class to go like cheat on him. And at first I just laughed because 
like this college, like you have to go to class. Like if you don't show up, you'll fail the class. So I was like, this is funny. This is like something I, I would have normally skipped class had I had the opportunity, but I wouldn't be cheating. So, I mean, I'm not doing either of those things. I'm showing up to all my classes. I'm there the entire time and I'm doing my work. I'm just, I'm really not doing anything wrong. So at first it didn't strike any chords with me and I denied it. And that denial was where it just kind of started to foster and grow into like this big overarching problem that really came out of nowhere. And, you know, it led to physical abuse. It led to constant screaming. It led to lots of belittling. I've been called so many names that I don't resonate with. And, you know, it was just that constant thing. And meanwhile, I am slowly sacrificing more and more and more and more of myself. I stopped talking to people at my school. I stopped interacting with my friends like I would. I cut out a bunch of my friends because, you know, I didn't think that he would approve of them because they were guys. And I just stopped doing me. I stopped being the person that I was, which is not a cheater, not secretive like that. Like if I am, if I want to go do something and I know we've already established a relationship, I'm going to be very open and not, I don't want to sneak around like that. So I was very uncomfortable, but I also just let it go for so long thinking, oh, he's going to get better. Oh, it's going to get better. It's going to improve. Of course it did. And that was what got me even more stuck was that he wasn't actively like giving in to me. He wasn't actually sacrificing anything. He just realized after, after going to jail twice that if he goes to jail again, that's it. That's he's done. So it wasn't even me that force that change. It was reality. It was the consequences. It was the punishment that I didn't bring on him, but the neighbors did, you know? So it wasn't even something I did. It was like life had to show me that this person was actually hurting me. And I wasn't able to see that because, you know, I saw the improvement. So it was very sticky to like, want to be so empathic and want to be helpful and want to promote this person's healing, knowing what they've gone through in the past that led to this, you know, abuse leads to more abuse. That's how the cycle works. But yeah, I just, I, I started realizing later, way later, way after when it was deep, like you said, that if I would have brought it up, if I would have ever said you're a narcissist to him, it might've been the end for me. And that's the reality of the situation. So, So what you said was very, very true. And I never called a hotline. The only reason I put that hotline in the intro is because I know that it's probably going to help someone, but it never helped me. I reached out to friends. I reached out to family. Family really just didn't say much. And they told me why afterwards. And my friends were adamant, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. You need to leave. And I just didn't want to listen to them because I just believed that there was something different. And to everyone who's listening, that is not the truth is not the truth. You don't deserve it. There is no reason why you need to stick around for that. And you're going to only hurt yourself and your future relationships by sticking through it longer. So very interesting. Um, One thing that I struggled with because it gets so confusing is knowing whether I was the narcissist and I'm projecting or whether he was a narcissist and and gaslighting because it started to feel like, oh my God, maybe I'm gaslighting him gaslighting. So I had to do a lot of work into figuring out that 
loop. And really, I think where that comes from is um, something you said about how they, if you're not a narcissist, they will try to work it out. They'll try to be better. And I'm realizing much after, years later, that that was really what I would have told myself then is I'm not the narcissist because I'm the one that's genuinely trying to heal this and, and not have these issues. So what are, what are some of the ways that a narcissist can manipulate you in the beginning of a relationship, like before it's too late and how are some ways we can prevent this or combat it? Or what are some, what are some of the language that you would um, inspire others to use? Because I really am not very confrontational or wasn't very confrontational. So for those who are feeling a little bit like tongue tied, how, how would you approach that? I would start with no second chances, period. That's just, you know, um, my grandmother had this old saying that you're right to punch me in the face ends at the tip of my nose. She also had this, this um, approach to dating that she said when I, I wasn't even, I was young, but I you know, had my own wallet. I might possibly go on a date. She goes, here's five bucks. You, you hide, this is a long time ago. You hide that in your wallet and it's called mad money. And if anything goes wrong on a date, if you don't like them, if they do anything wrong, you leave and you use that money to escape. Mm. We should all have mad money all the time. You know, mm. always. You should have your own money. You should have your own safety and security. And um, and if somebody does something that's wrong, then don't give them another chance. Don't be kind and supportive. And you know, if they're if something truly, actually, really, you know out of their control happen. And for instance, let's just say they were late for a date. Hmm. Don't wait. I'm still, that was, those were some of the, that was some of the grooming that happened in one of my relationships. Hmm. Um, he would show up late for some of our earliest dates and already had been drinking. And, oh, wow. um, and because I'm not a drinker, I don't do drugs. I didn't know, um, I, you know, it bothered me that he was late and I almost left one of the times and I wish I had yeah. totally wish I had um, almost and then, just like the key word there. I've said that so many yeah. times. I almost did that. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Exactly. Follow your instincts. That's yeah. the biggest. So, so, so for me, it's less words and, and more about inner attitude and act, you know, interaction mm-hmm. in, inside action Mm -hmm. but basically uh you know if you say to somebody you can't do that to me and you see a flicker in their eyes of anger run yeah right away right away because their full intention is to do whatever they want to you so it's really it's yeah it's crucial that i said is is so key i didn't pick up on that for a while but i remember the first time i actually saw it because i never used to i mean i was always very sensitive. So whenever I got punished as a child by my dad, I'd always like look away because I'm small and he's big. So that's natural, but I never really got over that. So whenever I'd be conf- confronted by anybody, I would just look away. So I never looked into his eyes when he was mad at me until way later. And I remember thinking he was, he started laughing about like my fear about him, you know, hitting me and to be just really raw, like, and we're alone in our apartment and I look up at him and I'm like in shock that a human could present such demonic energy towards me. 
because I didn't do anything to provoke it. It wasn't like I had cheated or had lied about something or I had done anything. It was literally just a small disagreement about taste in music that turned into this, like he's, he's threatening me. He's laughing about my fear. And I looked into his eyes and yeah, that's really what I resonated with. Like it, it definitely feels like a spiritual war. It didn't feel like he was in there at that time. And I think what you're saying when we see the good in these people is because I, I believe, and this is, might be totally false, but I believe that in everybody, there is some good. Naively, I would always find that first. Or if I didn't, I would make sure I found it because I felt like a bad person if I couldn't see it right away. So I would always force myself to find that good in them and then move past whatever I had to in order to, to latch onto that good. But yes, for those who are open and calling in, like he was calling in a lot of dark energies, calling in that energy, of course, it would possess them and it would make them take actions and be something that's really not who they are, but they're allowing themselves to be. They're allowing that entity to take possession of them. And I think that's where it becomes their responsibility and it can't be ours. We can't cast a demon out of somebody. That's not our job. No, we can try. And I have, I think accidentally, but it's not our job. And to put that amount of responsibility on ourselves can just be so draining and set us back so far. I think about how, how amazing my life would have been had I been more focused on myself during those years, but I was so focused on him that I gave myself away to a soul-sucking job. I gave myself away to a soul-sucking boyfriend. And where did I get myself? You know, that's nowhere because that demon, that spiritual war of good and evil is really real and it's really happening. And I really let myself get sucked into that and to be on the total opposite side now, like total opposite, like the grass is bright green, dewy, it's amazing. But to have that residue come through, it almost left too much residue. So it is really important that we heal from this because even just the slight Ah, I have a red flag can be, oh, you're putting up a red, red flag to someone that doesn't actually deserve the red flag. They're actually being forthright and honest in their intentions. And they're just responding to something that you're projecting. And that can be kind of confusing because if you're used to being the victim or the survivor, but victim in the kind of dynamic, you want to be empowered and you want to be stronger. You want to put that presence of, I'm not going to take any bull. But in the reality, this person might be the one that's not wanting to take your bull and getting called out on that can feel similar to what the narcissist was doing, but it's actually the residue of the narcissist, narcissist being left on you and you have to clear that. And I've been able to work through that personally by myself, just by observing that into the state where I can see that this person that I'm, I'm dealing with, that I'm having challenges with, we're always going to have challenges. No matter what we're doing, we're here to grow. We're alive in this body so we can grow from our challenges. It's how we approach it. And the way people in my life approach uh, challenges with me now is so much more healthier than how people were approaching it with me in the past. And that shows that not only have I gotten rid of the residue, but I'm continuously making sure I'm doing that. Definitely a spiritual war for sure. So it's super important that you're doing that, that spiritual cleaning, getting the residue off, healing yourself, bringing back the bits and pieces of yourself that may have 
flown off or been stolen. Sometimes there's soul theft, spirit theft Mm -hmm. um, that happens in these relationships. But yeah, the part of why, um, you know, I believe it's a, a demonic spiritual war is that there are people, millions of people around the world in all different cultures who have never spoken to each other. They don't go to narcissist view. They don't have, you know, a handbook or a playbook or, you know, they just do this and they do all the same things. Mm -hmm. Um, That happens from basically spiritual download. You know, they're, they're guided, they're possessed. They choose to listen to spiritual guides that actually want to destroy them too. But, but here's the other thing. Mm Although I also have that same or had that same desire to always, I have a tendency to look for good in people first. I do see both, but I want to, to nurture the good. Yeah. But the, the problem is that you have to allow yourself to see both at the same time so yeah. that you protect yourself and make choices that are you know efficient and good for you. Because some people just are evil. Mm-hmm. They came in with the intention to be evil. And it's not like, you know, oh, they had some traumatic childhood thing and they could fix it with therapy. That is not how narcissism works. It is, they may have had traumatic things in their childhood, but that's not necessarily the only reason that they have these ways of hurting people. And it's not going to, and therapy is unlikely to stop them. It's actually, um, uh, most therapists and domestic violence people say that narcissists don't change ever. And the only people that I have seen claim that they have changed a narcissist or been around a narcissist that has changed, I think they're lying. And they're in huge, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, Facebook groups. And I honestly believe that their purpose there is evil, that they're there to undermine people's process of change and accepting that, you know, a situation is, is so devastating for them that they have to get out of it. And, you know, when they drop a bomb in there like that, like, oh yeah, if you're just empathic enough and nice enough and kind enough towards the narcissist, they'll change. You know, you're putting somebody, literally putting people's lives on the line. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's extremely important to emphasize. Um, I want to share my experience with that because I was that person. I was adamantly that person. And this was several, well, this was a few years ago. So I was much more naive than I am now, but it is something that I tend to go into because I just want to believe in goodness in people. And as I've gotten to where I am now, I realize that that's a very naive thing to do. And it's completely changed how I approach the world. But in this relationship, I really, really, really was like, so every time anybody, even police would come to me and they would say, you know, this is never going to change. It's never going to get better. And I would say, you're so wrong. You're so wrong. This can change. He just needs help. You don't understand the situation. Blah, blah, blah. Justifying everything. Justifying when at this stage in my, in, in, in our relationship, how bad it had gotten was, and I, I have full permission from this person to share these stories, by the way. So I'm not like, we've had this conversation. It's, he's a weird narcissist, but so <laughs> like he's, he kind of realizes it, but it won't go out of it. So, um, 
we were camping and he had bought a machete. Well, I had bought the machete, um, financial, financial abuse. I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, but I had bought him the machete cause he said he wanted one. So he brought it, brings it with us, you know, bears, I guess he brings it with us and we're, but we're sitting on the mattress in our tent next to each other. We had just finished setting it up, he sits down and the machete is right up against me. Like it's in a case, but it's like right there. And I was like, uh, in my mind, I really, I didn't want him to have it at all because two nights before that I had a dream, a very vivid dream where he took a, and this is before I got him the machete. He took a knife and sliced my entire face open. And I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, I don't want him to get a machete, but like bears, I'm like, mm, I don't know what's best here. I'll just trust him. So whatever. So I tell him about this and he's like, I'm not going to do that to you. And I was like, I know. I just, I don't feel safe. Plus it might pop the air mattress. And he's like, it's in a, it's in a, a holster. I'm like, I really just don't feel safe. And then I was like, I'm going to take it off because it's mine. I paid for it. So I start taking it off. He starts getting up and I do not handle it. Well, I still start taking it off. He finally gets out of the tent. He starts walking and it's sunset, but like sunset in a town where only 63 people live there. There's no lights where we're at. So it's getting dark and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And finally I'm like, I can't, I can't. So I finally take the car and I go and I find him and he's walking and it's getting dark and I'm telling him, just get in the car. Come on, let's just go back. He is pissed and eventually he starts throwing rocks at me. He comes up and he starts throwing punches. So where this story is going, I then flag down some people to call the police and the police come and they're like, we can send them to anger management. We can send them to jail. Where, what do you want to do with him? And I was like, I don't want him to go either of those places because I feel bad. Like, I don't want to send somebody to those places. So... I said, can you just take the machete? <laughs> like, can you just take the machete? I don't care. And he takes it and he's like, just so you know, like this isn't going to get better. Like we, we really should take him into custody. And I was like, no, it's okay. It's fine. This is my car. I made the choices here. This is fine. So we stayed. And on our way back was the most dramatic experience I had with him. It was the hardest, the most abuse I've gotten from him. I almost got knocked out from the punch, but I'm very strong. So I, I kind of stayed with it, but I had like deja vu. It was like past life memories came back. And I realized that like, I almost died. And in a past life that I had with him in an alternate re reality or something, a parallel universe, I'm not quite clear on that. I did die. He killed me. He did cut my face open and then on the other, not really, not really like, I'm, yeah, but in the other, yeah, but in yeah. the parallel reality, that was a yeah. reality because I do have dreams. So when I realize the reality of the dream, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that was, that could have happened. If I didn't tell that police to take that machete, that likely would have been the outcome. And he was starting to take the wheel and trying to like turn me off the road there's no cars so it was like whatever I just turned the car off but that's when he hit me and I started my head started ringing and I had a flash of the last of the last the other parallel reality of where he would have driven me off and we would have gotten into a car accident and I would have died and I survived all of that I I 
kept my will so strong within myself, knowing that he was abusing me. I didn't let myself fall into his, into his uh, vacuum, but I never like walked far enough away from the vacuum like line. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And I didn't even ever listen to that cop tell me that it's never going to get better. I really was so adamant and it didn't work out for me. And I am a person of high faith. I had so much faith in this person to the point where when we have conversations now, he's thanking me. He tells me I've taught him so much. Whether that's true or not, I was able to walk away from a narcissist who was abusive and into a place where now it's like, you know, he respects me, but it's not true. It's not true. And I know that. And had I been the same person I was in that relationship, I would have fall, fallen back into his loop over and over and over again and never would have ended. And I'm only realizing that now after he finally broke my one and only boundary. I had one boundary with him and I stated that to him. I said, this is my only boundary. If you cross this, I'm done with you. He crossed it. It took him two and a half years, but he crossed it. And that just goes to show that in reality, he was so insecure, so hurt and only wanted to translate that into hurting others. He was never actually going to sit down with himself and heal past it and realize how terrible of a person he, he was being and actually combat those demons inside himself because he was calling it in. That's another story, but he was, he was a, into that realm of darkness and wanted to call it in. So I knew all the red flags were there. I just didn't want to do anything about them. So it was, it was terrible. And the things you're saying are very true. And it's more important to just get out and to just say no, and to just take that as the truth and to not delude yourself further. Like I did. Can I, can I share one little thing that I think might help other people who have been doing the same thing that you and I did, which is that we know people that we love from other lifetimes, however you want to classify those. Mm -hmm. We love them profoundly. And I believe that we really are separating the, you know, the trains are leaving the station, good and evil are going separate ways. There's no more straddling the line. And these people that don't, that choose not to change now are going to be gone. We're not, they're going to be separated from us like forever. Like not until the next, like, <laughs> it's not until the next. I'm <laughs> only cheering for the energy. I'm not cheering for the people. I hope the people cho choose differently, but bye Felicia. Bye energy. I'm done with you. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Yeah. No, that's like totally, that's good. That's good. It's, but it's, it's sad, you know, and, and yeah. but that's good. Your reaction is healthy, but that, you know, but I think like some of us that are empaths and healers and, and came to this lifetime to like, I know I came to wrap up loose ends with a lot of people. I really hoped to turn them, you know, but it's free will. It's their free will. I've been trying this for many lifetimes. Many of these people have killed me many lifetimes, mm. brutally, not by accident, on purpose, brutally, 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 wow. over and over again. So this is my last time doing this. And yeah. um, so this was the, this was the last thought. And even with that, you know, I still, it's, it's hard because I also feel that they're going to go into a situation, you know, even that has nothing to do with me at all. That's going to be very unpleasant for them. So, you know, I think there are things that, that some of us know subconsciously and that we 
flicker into consciousness, but we don't necessarily, you know, we don't accept this or, you know, it's so painful that we'll, we'll put it off. But, you know, these, I think that's part of why some people like us try so hard with people who are patently clearly bad for us mm-hmm. because we're hoping for them. But if yeah. we're done with that, we're done with that. Yeah. Done with false hope because we don't need to give hope where there is no action especially if it's up to them to make that action. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yep. crazy. Even just you talking about like people going into a situation that's going to be unpleasant for them. Like, even though they've done such terrible things, like it still hurts me. It's weird. Cause you know, I'm watching this show right now where the battle between good and evil is like very, very, very apparent. It's called the expanse. If you want to check it out, it's really good. I highly recommend it. It's about space. Um, but it, the battle is so clear, but the people's reactions and how they're moving through there is so they're constantly switching, but they're thinking they're staying straight. They're thinking, Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. But sometimes they get so guided by their own emotions that they lose track of what's actually good. So I think that's important to, to like really not get attached to our emotions surrounding these things. Cause yes, even though I can, feel terrible about this person that killed me in the past. Like, why am I not feeling terrible about the fact that they killed me? Like I should feel that empathy towards myself. And that's where it really yeah. comes back to self-love. Um, yes. So, yeah. So I think um, rolling, you know, rolling in the mud of narcissists does not feel good, but it's so necessary for us to talk about it so we can begin to make real change, you know, within ourselves and within our relationships and also help other people who may come to us with the same issues. So let's take a break for a bit and um, scrub off and dive into the laugh bath. If you are new to this podcast, this is the segment where we play a little game and this time we're going to do a game called concentration. So we're just going to scrub off some of the gunky emotions, open up some space for laughter with the game concentration. If you were familiar with this game, I don't know when, what era this is from. I just remember it from my childhood. It's called concentration. I think 64. It's like concentration 64, no repeats or hesitations. So th- we're not going to do it like that because I will probably embarrass myself. Well, I suck too, but that's kind of the whole point is that we're not supposed to be good at this. We are very good at what we talk about and <laughs> I, I just want to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll be laughing a lot. Yeah. I'm already laughing. I love it. <laughs> um, so basically if either of us repeats a word that was already said or hesitates for too long, the buzzer will go off and I'll just make a buzzer noise for myself or, or you can make the buzzer noise. We'll just, you can make it for me. I'll make it for you. Oh, what was you say? If we were, if we repeat the same word. That's a yeah. If we repeat it, like if I say Skittles and you say Skittles, then okay. And okay, I haven't thought this through. (laughs) What do we do after that? We will just start over, and then if we get five (laughs) buzzers, that's where we'll stop. So I'll just keep track on my hand. All right, improv. Okay. Um. So and yeah, so we'll get five buzzers, and then the game will be over. So we are going to choose the category together. What category should we do? I was thinking like trying to keep it easy, like food or candy or animals. Do candy. Candy. Oh, that was my first thought. I always go with the first mind. Okay. All right. 
I'm nervous. <laughs> okay. I'll start. I'll start. I'm going to start with Twix. Poppers. Jelly beans. Necco wafers. Kit Kat. Almond Joy. Grandma candy. I don't know what they're called. Those little strawberry filled candies that grandma's <gasps> Is there a name for that? Because my I don't name know. for that is... Oh, I need a name for them okay. because they're my favorite. <laughs> okay, uh, lemon drops. Jubilees. Jujubees, I mean. Ribbon candy. <gasps> oh, no. Bottle caps. Fudge. Oh, yum. Um, <laughs> Reese's cups. Reese's pieces. Pieces. Ew. I don't like the pieces. Hershey's cookies and cream. Uh, Oreos. <laughs> That's a cookie. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Um, uh, oh, you start. You, yeah. Um, oh, oh, come on, come into my mind. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything. Razzles. Um, dot candy. Button candy. Um, sweet tarts. Uh, uh, Smarties. Those are my favorite. Oh, I don't know why I put it. Uh, M and M's. Almond Joy. I said that. Dang it! <laughs> I had a feeling after I said it, I was like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> you feel familiar. <laughs> so delicious. Uh, Butterfinger. Um, 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 um. Uh, oh, I love candy so much. Why can't I think of candy? <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna buzz at that one. I don't I don't know. You wanna keep going with candy or switch? Oh, I just thought of one. No, I, we do, we'll just do the one category, but I was like, okay. I literally have so much candy in my cabinet right now that I don't eat. Are I don't you prepping it. for Halloween? No, okay. <laughs> there. I don't know why. It's- I like having I like having some so that when I need it, I have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be why it's there. I think we bought it for another reason, but I've just been slowly like eating at it. So it'll last forever. I thought of one. <laughs> I thought of another one. Laffy Taffy. Okay. Uh, cow's tails. I think some people call them bullseyes. I've never heard of that. Um, uh, Jolly Ranchers. Ooh, ooh. Um, uh, Heath Bar. What'd you say? Heath Bar. Oh, Heath. Like a- oh, yum. I love those. <laughs> I used to eat the Heath um, Dairy Queen blizzards all the time. Um, <laughs> um, um, peach rings. Oh, oh yeah. But what a taffy. Ooh, yum. That brings me back. Um, I keep thinking of some while you're like, Coming up with one and then they all disappear. I'm like, oh yeah, it's so yummy. I can't think of anything. Um, <laughs> it's just that's the only thing in my mind now. Andy's mints. <gasps> oh yeah. Some Olive Garden. Um, oh, so good. Buzzer <laughs> <laughs> um, left. And it has to be a candy, not something you make at home. Just candy. Um. Yeah. Um. Chicklets. That's like gum or candy. Oh, yeah, um, that's candy. Um, <laughs> oh, um, uh, what are they called? Who are those guys? Mike and Ike's. Tootsie Rolls. Oh, see, every time, every time you say one, I'm like, I did not think of that. <laughs> um, gummy bears. Why didn't I say that? 
Swedish fish. Yum. Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> Pop Rocks. <gasps> you know, my friend never had them before, so I had to buy them just so he would have them. I was like, how have you never had Pop Rocks? It's an experience. <laughs> like, they're not that good, <laughs> but it's an experience you have to have. Cotton candy. That's my favorite. Um, bit of honey. Oh. Circus peanuts. I've literally never had those. <laughs> I don't think I ever will. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. For anyone who's listening, comment <laughs> or message us your favorite candy. <laughs> I know it's yes, not live. And right there. <laughs> well, that was fun. And now uh, my sweet tooth is activated for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that was really fun. Thanks for the laughter. Laughter Thank is the best, best medicine. So for things like this, where people might be yeah. listening and they're like, oh my gosh, so much is triggering in my mind. And now I have to take all these new actions and my whole life is going to flip over. Just know that it's going to be okay. There's always moments for laughter, even in the midst of chaos. So Let's get back to it. Now I want to talk more about how, like we've, we've touched on this, but I want to talk more about like what to do because it seems like we can't emphasize enough what to do. And it's always going to be the same thing, but like how to do it or how somebody just needs to hear, you know, that right sentence to really get them out of that situation. I know if I would have heard in my past that this is a spiritual war and you're not going to win, I might have, you know, thought more about it. I thought it was just very person, persons, humans. So um, yeah. when I was in that abusive relationship, I was really deluded by my own savior complex. And I was convinced that my love would change him. Like you said, being nice or being kind, it's going to change them. They're going to realize that they're bad, but that's not real. But I saw progress strangely enough for a while he actually stopped abusing me physically but then it changed and it became withholding of intimacy and telling me I'm to this or to that or I need to be more this or more that in order for him to be attracted to me and it just was getting worse and worse but it felt and it seemed like it was getting better so Let's, let's talk a little bit about how we can see the transition, how just because one abuse stops doesn't mean that the abuse stops, that, that how it might transform. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, about how the abuse might transform? Yeah, like in your experience. So he was basically anything. setting you up, in a sense. I'm sure what he really wanted to do was just beat you to a pulp. You know, there's that impulse in him that hasn't changed from the other lifetime, you know, probably more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he's... So a lot of survivors are, um, actually most of the survivors that I've surveyed say that they feel the emotional abuse was worse than the physical abuse. Personally, I absolutely disagree. Wow. That's because I know how I already have tools like the tools that I I use to help people. And I, Mm -hmm. I teach people that people could take my online course and learn to do this for themselves. But I find I, I found physical abuse way more damaging for me. Um, however, um, you know, I'm guessing from what you say that when he stopped physically abusing you, you were like, okay, I'm ready to do whatever I have to do to please this person and help him heal. And I'm going to put it in a different term than you were thinking at the time, but coddle him and, you know, and so that he'll 
get better. Um, and, you know, oh yeah, maybe this secretly, you know, I have this insecurity and he already knew what your insecurities were. He was, you know, racking them up, sussing them out, sensing and keeping track from the very beginning of a relationship, even though like the first three months were great, he was actually secretly, you know, taking down, make, mentally making a list of all the ways he could possibly hurt you, all of your tender spots. And so the hardest thing about this is about getting out of a narcissistic relationship is deciding that you're going to leave that relationship and never go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's grief. So you're, there's this huge loss and a huge amount of grief. So you have to handle the grief. You have to process that. But when you are in the relationship and you're with somebody who's dangerous, who you're the, the time when a woman is most at risk for being murdered is when she's leaving. So it's really important that you not let them know that you are in the process of changing that you are getting stronger, that you are putting money aside. You need to hide all of this. And so for people who are open, honest, kind, good, it can be really hard to be deceptive, but you have to lie to save your life. You know, not everybody's in a life-threatening situation, but a lot of people are. It's unbelievable. So in order to save your life, you need to lie. You need to hide the money that you're saving somehow, even if it's only a small amount. You need to hide your conversations with other people. In fact, I actually advise that you don't talk about it with other people yeah. um, because it's amazing a lot of, um, how many so-called friends or good family members will tell the abuser and wind up being, you know, your life at risk. And part of why I actually, I, what I really advise people to do is to change within themselves you know, save the money, save the resources they need to get out and then have a place to go so that they save. And most abusers are inflamed by um, uh, police involvement or legal involvement because they're humiliated for one thing. And they, that's like the thing that narcissists really hate most, Mm -hmm. but being humiliated and losing, losing their food source. So I don't actually usually advise, um, restraining orders or orders of protection, depending on where you're, where you are, there's different names for it. Um, yes, they can work, but sometimes they can backfire. Um, so you only, you know what you need to do, you know, in your heart parts. And once you've come to the decision or the realization of, you know, your actual circumstances, instead of honestly, I was so in love with somebody that I had people, I'm not kidding around the world praying for us. And it would literally get better for like two to three days and then it would get worse. Yeah. And then it would get better for two to three days and then it would get worse. But every time I sent out a prayer request and they, and it wasn't just the people that I requested to pray. I asked them and everybody that they knew and all of the, everybody in their churches. And I mean, like a lot of people, they would pray and it would get better. And then finally, I actually, I mean, I, I knew that I couldn't continue, um, when with this particular person, when I couldn't say how I felt and know that I would be safe doing that. Yeah. Physically safe, never mind emotionally safe. Yeah. And then it got to the point where like one of our ending conversations was like one sentence was me saying, you know, we can't be in a relationship if I can't say how I feel. And that was 
a day or two after he had hit me for saying something about how I felt about something that he did that was really wrong, that yeah. really betrayed me and hurt me. And regardless of how wrong something is or not, like you have to be able to express yourself. Otherwise it's not a relationship and you're not allowed to be a person. Mm-hmm. He really wanted me to be a, basically a, a Barbie on a shelf and be available for him whenever he felt like it. Yeah. Um, and that's not me. So you have to, you have to decide that you are worth it and that you are worthy. And I think there's a whole movement. There's a the woman who started a program. I think she's in California and I think it's, I am worthy or you are worthy something like that, mm-hmm. but that you are valuable. Yeah. And, um, you know, that the, the person that's a narcissist has to heal themselves. It's their free will, you know, and I still have a kernel of hope that these people will change and decide to be good but that's a choice that they have to make and we can't force them and if they're not willing to do it then we have to get out so Mm -hmm. even if they're not even if they are willing to do it but they're not actually showing that they're doing it it's still time to get out and if they're not quite ready to embody the change or make that choice fully it's more important that we just separate ourselves from it because otherwise we're putting ourselves in 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 the line of fire right in the middle of the battlefield where we are unarmed and alone and we don't need to do that. We have a whole army of spiritual warriors on the other side and we don't need to be offensive. We don't need to combat this energy. We just need to continue to hold defensively our power because really the good will always overcome the evil. I mean, I've seen that in so many different experiences, actual experiences, um, where, you know, just my presence, I've unknowingly casted out a demon that came through him in a dream. And he told me about it after I said, just breathe. I literally was just like, just breathe. Like, what the heck? And in that, I felt my power. I felt his weakness, Mm -hmm. my power. And that's where our relationship really took a different turn was I started empowering myself in our relationship, mm-hmm. just like you had said, like you have to start empowering yourself. I got a great job. I was getting promoted. I was also trying to start business. I was taking great care of myself. I was eating healthy. I was confident. I was learning from people on how to love myself and how to like see my worth. And I remember that I just thought it was so ridiculous. I was like, wow, he's that weak. Like he's calling in all these energies, but acting like, you know, he can handle this demonic energy that he's pulling in, but he's not able to, I am, and I'm not the one experiencing it. So that's a little suspect. I'm gonna, but I just still like pushed it away, but that's what turned into him withholding intimacy from me is because there was a real role role reversal. Um, I know that can be sometimes common in relationships where there's that financial abuse as if the man is taking money from the woman, because he's not willing to or able to support himself financially. And I don't mean like, oh, you had a little incident and you need some help. I mean, like he literally was doing this the entire relationship, but I never thought of, I never questioned it, but it turned into him seeing me as the masculine in the relationship. And he then felt like the feminine. And in that he became emasculated. I was just doing what I needed to do to make sure the house was going to stay afloat. And he started using that against me, saying that I'm abusing him or I'm manipulating him because I'm the one that's making the money. And 
I never realized that that was actually abusive until you said financial abuse. So that's something to pay attention to is that um, when that role reversal happens, whether it starts in the physical or just starts in the energies, that can be extremely damaging, not only to ourselves as women, but to the relationship. So for me, what it turned into was, all right, I feel empowered. You feel weak. You want to feel empowered. And you're telling me that the only thing that's going to make you feel empowered is if I over-sexualize myself. So he started then telling me that I need to be, he wants me to be this. He wants me to be that. We moved to Las Vegas. You can put the puzzle pieces together. I didn't really want to, and I never really agreed to it, but I wasn't confident enough to approach him and say, no, I don't want to do that. I didn't feel safe really to say, no, that's not what I want to do. Plus I didn't have a, no, that's not what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Instead. It was like, ah, shoot. I don't want to follow that path, but I don't want to like kind of mess things up with him because it didn't feel safe. So I never really got into what he wanted. I never really got into what he wanted me to do. Um, thankfully, but it did impact me greatly. It did bring forth people and energies into my life that I don't currently resonate with. Now that I'm back into my own self, I don't resonate with. They're very demonic. I'm actually seeing it take over social media and the, and just regular media, just this over sexualization of oneself. And it doesn't come from a place of empowerment. It comes from a place of narcissism, very much so. It is that same demonic energy that's trying to tell us as women that we need to be this way in order to be empowered. And that's just absolutely false. And um, bringing back to that residue of like how he then, you know, wanted me to do all these things and whatever, it actually attracted friends into my life. During the same time I was with him, I met this whole community of people who I thought were just amazing. And they were very much so about this over-sexualization of themselves in kind of a covert way and making it seem spiritual, making it seem light and holy. And in reality, it wasn't. They were kind of exploiting innocence And I didn't really appreciate that. And it wasn't to a point where it was destructive to anyone, but it could be to the wrong person. So I going through a toxic relationship an abusive narcissistic relationship, I actually brought friends that had the same attributes as him, but women that were less obvious, not physically abusive, but very emotionally abusive, taking from me and expecting me to be just always there for them for, for everything. And I thought they were my friends, but I never really felt like I could develop a connection with them because I just got out of this relationship. I was very keen on all these things. I did fall into their flow a little bit, but eventually meeting one person from there who actually isn't a narcissist <laughs> was able to kind of show me how to approach these people in the right way and how to call them out early, even though it had been several months that I've known them, call them out on their bullshit and get out of that and never look back. So that was a lot easier. And that was kind of like the healing for me to be able to move from this really bad relationship into a 
bad community where it really showed me this is not just one person. It's not just men. It's not just people you're romantically involved with. It's people and they're going to do it to anyone that they can. And if you're walking around there and you're carrying a big, big, bright light and you're empowered in yourself and somebody makes you feel like you aren't empowered enough or you shouldn't be empowered or that you need to do X, Y, and Z to actually be empowered, they're totally lying to you. And for all those young girls that are listening, please, 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 please avoid the narcissist, narcissistic women that we see portrayed like trophies in our media today. So one thing I want to touch on is um, I want to know a little bit more about you and like how you were able to reconnect and love yourself more after leaving the relationship because yes, leaving the relationship is the hardest part, but then you're, you're alone. Now we're alone and we don't have anyone to latch onto. We are, we don't have any, you know, anchor, even though it was a toxic one. So how can we, how did you go through that? What was your experience like? Yeah. I had way more than one narcissist in my life Um, and uh, starting with family members. And so being raised by at least um, had, you know, definitely um, had a huge impact on me. Um, And I didn't realize some of these things until, you know, hindsight. So the last person that I was with who was a narcissist, I, they had that, that was that conversation where I said, I, you know, I have to be able to express myself for this isn't a relationship. And I had come to that point over a, an ex, you know, there had been several years of just being like, okay, I've tried everything. Um, and I, I can't do this. I actually had started early in our relationship when we started having some struggles. It was actually the same exact conversation. Um, but, you know, it seemed to go into something. And finally, I was like, that's it. Um, you know, I, I insist. <laughs> and yeah. if you're not going to let me be safe, if, you know, if you're going to brutalize me, then yeah. I would rather be alone forever. God yeah. forbid. But, you know, then um, go through this stuff because this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um and, uh, you know, and it was impossible to just live. Um, there were all sorts of, of um, you know, horrible tech, basically torture techniques that were being used against me. And, um, you know, sleep deprivation, um, like noise assaults, um, music on, always something on, um, you know, and he liked it. But I can't, there's some things I can't talk about, but, but, um, you know, those were things that worked for him in some ways, but like when you are going through all of these and and interfering with food, I have extensive food allergies and I really need to eat very carefully. Um, and, um, he's always pushing the, the, the borders, the boundaries on that. Um, and then eventually it's just like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to be me um and me is really important and I have a job here to do beyond these people that I've already tried to help and then I you know I'm I'm really sad um that I'm not going to be able to help him anymore you know I had already chosen that I can't help those other people anymore either 
And so then finally I was just like, all right, um, how am I going to do this? You know, these are my circumstances. These are the dangers. These are the pitfalls. You know, how am I going to work around this? And I was lucky um, because I started to become aware that there was maybe, you know, a pathology involved beyond other things that I already knew about. And then somehow, you know, because Google is ever present, um, you know, something popped up on my screen, uh, you know, more than once it was about narcissism. And I was like, I don't know what's narcissism. Let's go look at that. And, and then I started to, to realize, oh, there's a whole picture, but it took, it was to the moment where I started to realize the bigger picture. I, it was like turning a kaleidoscope. You know, you, if you look through a kaleidoscope, you see a bunch of little pieces of color or whatever, and all the same pieces are there, but if you turn it just a little bit and they ship, and then all of a sudden you could see a picture yeah. and that's what it was like for me. And I was like, Oh my God, before I knew about narcissism, I just, I realized everything that he's been accusing me of, I'm quite sure that he's doing. <laughs> I didn't have proof proof. And I actually kept waiting for proof proof because I, I really wanted the proof proof. I didn't yeah. want, you know, I, I wanted that was going to be like my final, you know, straw kind of a thing. And still, but eventually what the real final straw was, is, you know, I can't be me, regardless of anything that you're doing, you know, that's wrong. I can't, if it can't be me in the situation, then this can't be. So then I had to figure out how to, you know, get myself out of it. And I think I've missed some of your question, but this was part of my process. Yeah. What was the question again? Um, I want to touch on that first. I don't even care that much about the, the accuracy of the question. Okay. One thing you said, um, about the, you wanted the proof proof real quick before I restate the question. I was that person as well. And I was a little bit more devious. I kind of, in a sense, I kind of did set myself up and I don't mean this as in, I'm not victim blaming here, but I did set myself up for some of the abuse. It never happened when I caught him, but that was when he was humbled. But I kind of was, I could have invited a lot more damage because I did do things that were a little sketchy. And I, um, at one point he had to get a new phone, but he didn't have the money for it. So I had an old phone. So I gave him my old phone. Little did either of us know this phone was actually, cause I had not used it in so long, was actually connected to my Google maps. So if I would go on my computer and I would see the Google maps, I could see where he was at all times. And I didn't care at first, but then the first, I think, the first time I pulled it up, he was like somewhere he was not supposed to be. Like he was supposed to be working and he was like stopped in one place that I didn't recognize for like a really long time. And my curiosity just took me and I got the proof proof that I knew exactly where he was. He was with the girl that I had originally thought he was attracted to, but he denied and denied and denied and denied. Turns out I was right. But anyways, so I confronted him about that. He's just like, whatever, I can hang out with my friends. Like you're crazy. Blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you watched me. I still kept watching him for a long time. I found out about a lot of things. I ended up um, going through his phone, reading text messages, all the nine yards. And he had a justification for every single one. He made me feel crazy for every single one. Meanwhile, was accusing me of cheating when I was literally working and working only going to school sometimes and working only. I actually dropped out of college because I didn't want to handle, I couldn't handle it. Um, but yeah, so that proof, proof, 
it didn't come until he actually crossed that one boundary. And the weird thing was, was that he was honest with me about it. He told me the night before that he was going to be hanging out with somebody. And I was like, all right, okay. I'm in, I was in Mexico. He was at our home and he said he was going to hang out with this girl. And I was like, okay. And it eventually becomes like midnight and she's still not there. So I'm like, is she really coming? Yeah. Okay. Wake up the next morning, terrible pain in my womb for no reason, but the worst pain I've ever experienced. It felt like someone was like cutting it open like this. And I was like, all right, maybe I got to go to the bathroom. Like, did I just start my period? Like, what the heck? None of that was it at all. I I'm like crouched over. I go back to my bed and I'm like laying down. So laying down and I open up my phone and he starts texting me and we're texting. And he's like, did you see my text from the night before? I said, no. Turns out he crossed that one boundary, which completely shattered me. But as the emotion traveled from my intuitive center up into my heart, you know, I felt the pain move. My womb felt totally normal, no pain, but my heart was destroyed, absolutely, completely destroyed. And in that moment, that was my moment of, I have the proof proof that you're a horrible person, that you've been treating me like dirt and I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I went real petty, you know, got super over it, empowered myself through that. I was with a great group of people who were able to, who were there to support me in this whole journey, which was such a blessing. But getting that proof proof was the only thing that got me to end the relationship. And even then I went back and I finally realized after I went back after like two weeks that I was like, what? So I woke up, but I even went back after that. So it just shows that like the magnetism of the, of the trauma can be so familiar that you just, the only thing you can latch onto is your hope and your belief. And that's not enough. Sometimes if the proof is not in the pudding and instead there's mold, throw the pudding away. (laughs) Get rid of it. (laughs) Get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my question was how, what was your process like in coming back and learning to love yourself and not, not saying you didn't love yourself, but just learning how to be alone again and learning like how to move from that energy of being soul sucked and into like feeding your soul. Okay. So this may be where I'm a little bit different than some people who've been through this. I feel like I always at my core knew those good things and honored that and valued that. And I just couldn't, I know why he didn't. And I kept trying to help him and I kept trying to show him that, you know, I did love him and like all of these, all of these things that he, you know, asked for or whatever. I, I think for me, it's just a little bit different than the actual question is sort of like it, I had to accept the grief and I was also, I had to accept the grief, the, the short version, and I had to accept dealing with it. And that was, that was soul wrenching and gut wrenching and absolute, absolutely horrible. So this flickers me into like you were asking about words earlier. If somebody had said a certain word to you that would, you know, what would have that word been if they to help you to get out of it? Um, <clears throat> when things started to go, 
extra bad with us um uh you know early in the first within the first year of our relationship somebody was saying to me you know because I was like just pouring my heart out about all these different things that were going on mm-hmm. she was like I, I think it's a toxic relationship and the way she was saying it you know in retrospect if if she had used the word abuse it's an abusive relationship that so that toxic to me is like um unhealthy abusive yeah. is abusive and then, then there's this big for me there's a big line in there but I think a lot of people talk about toxic relationships and then what they mean is abusive relationships yeah so personally just for me that that little word if if I had heard that word or somebody had translated it or I don't know that would have been an earlier trigger for me I still would have had the extreme heartbreak um and you know had to go through the grief of all that but it was different and so I think no, I totally understand. It's... It was more about taking care of myself yeah. rather than loving myself. I love myself. I loved myself, but the drawing boundaries and mm. saying no more, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm done. Like, you know, this, I get to have this and yeah, that um, totally answers the question. Honestly, like that was how you said that was so spot on. So something I couldn't really formulate for myself. You said that you didn't really have to um, learn to love yourself. You're like, I love myself. It was like learning how to take care of yourself and setting those boundaries because people would always tell me when I was in that relationship, you just need to love yourself more. Why don't you love yourself? And I'm sitting there like, I love myself so much to the point where I'm willing to like give to this person because I just believe that they're just missing this great part of themselves, but I'm still taking, I'm still loving myself when I'm not around this person. I'm not telling myself I'm a horrible person. I just believe so much in them that I want them to believe in themselves in this way that I see them. But that was where, you know, I started to quote unquote, not love myself in the right way, which I believe is more like, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not giving yourself what you actually need, which is those boundaries saying no more I'm done. Are you a high risk taker? Are you willing to push hard on boundaries that like, you know, where other people might pull back, but you're like, I am strong. I can do this. I am offering this to you because I am capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was raised like that. My dad, he always was very adamant that I be a strong woman because my mom is very much so like the born in the fifties woman, like very delicate, like, like healthy, but like soft and like the type of woman you're like, please just take care of yourself. You're a flower. And he always taught me to not be like that because he, he and I got along more than him and my brother when I was younger. So he needed his like buddy to like hang out with him. So that's how I was raised was to be tough, to be resilient, to be strong. So when I'm faced with something that I believe in, which is love, I don't believe in confrontation. I'm not a confrontational person. I don't go up and just like fight people or just stand up. But if it's something I believe in, like love, I am willing to move the whole earth and universe, (laughs) which is great because what a gift people like us have to offer for the right person. Like that is magical. And we also can attract that into ourselves. We don't have to attract the opposite. We can attract that actual, the same thing where we're willing to just do everything to build this relationship in a healthy way and make sure that it's actually healthy. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, 
as we're talking about being done with it and setting boundaries, I think that's kind of the most important thing to take away from this is that if you're in any kind of relationship, whether it's toxic, abusive, um, narcissistic, or just doesn't feel right, then let's all practice setting that healthy boundary of saying, no, this isn't right for me. And I'm not going to be attached to my emotions because emotions can be deceptive. I'm not going to be attached to my emotions. I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to be strong. And I'm going to take care of myself first and foremost, before I try to help anybody else. So yeah, no one, no one's no one, no one is worthy of abuse. Um, many times, like I said earlier, abusers were abused in their early life and it comes back to bite them in the butt if they aren't able to move past their own trauma out of their narcissism and into a healing space. It's their choice to do that. Even if they realize that it is their choice, a lot of times they choose what's familiar, what's comfortable, what makes them feel empowered because it can be a lot easier to choose evil than good when you're so deep in the evil. It's a lot to come out of. It's a lot to face. So it's important to remember our duty as empaths that we are not responsible for the healing of others. Go ahead. Yeah. We, we may be here to help others heal, but we're not responsible for their poor choices. And also I take a slightly different view of emotions. I think your emotions are really vital and really important and they actually can guide you loving somebody passionately isn't wrong or bad or misleading, but also honor your emotions about, Hey, that didn't feel good, whatever that was. And because I think, you know, our emotions are a critically important part of us. And I think it's super important to honor them and to honor ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's something that I didn't do enough was honor myself. And so that's something that I do more now. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, a lot of times, like, yes, if the, if something doesn't feel right, honor that emotion for sure. What I mean by emotions can be deceptive is a lot of times when I was faced with something that I questioned, my emotions of love would trump that emotion of this doesn't feel right. I would feel the, oh, this doesn't feel right. And then I would feel like this emotion of almost like I'm wrong. I'm not seeing this clearly. So maybe it wasn't the emotions that were deceptive. It was the mind and the way the mind perceives the emotions that can be deceptive. So make sure that when you feel something's not right, that you don't brush it off like I did, because don't deceive yourself over your emotions. That's what I'm really trying to say. Yes. Don't deceive yourself over your emotions. Really honor, like you said, honor those emotions, honor that uh, instinctive guide, because that is going to save you. The feelings, the emotions of love aren't going to do anything for you in an abusive relationship, except for hold you there. And it is great that we're able to love to such a depth to people who have hurt us. It's amazing. It's so honorable, but that does not mean that we need to, or we're, we're obligated to, or responsible for sharing that with that person. That's our love. So let's hold on to our love. And um, we can love them from a distance, but we don't need to let them hurt us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it's, it's not our duty or responsibility obligation, no matter how much we love the person to tolerate, receive or endure right. um, abuse from anybody else, right. whether it's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, it doesn't matter. Like we don't need to experience abuse. We don't need anybody to take from us. Like the world is hard enough as it is. Let's, 
Let's attract mm-hmm. people into our lives and honor the people in our lives that are willing to share with us and give with us and reciprocate with us. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Finally, to close it off, love yourself more than your abuser. Choose to prioritize, prioritize your safety, your health, and your well-being um, over your feelings of love or feelings of obligation or feelings of duty. Um follow that in instinctive guide that says, if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. I promise you'll be, you'll be better off. We are here as living, breathing, thankfully examples um, of how just honoring yourself and setting those healthy boundaries and deciding that you are worth it, um, that you can make some change. And if you're listening and you're realizing that maybe you are being a narcissist or you're you're realizing you're abusive and you're realizing that this is a choice that you have the opportunity to make. I need you to hear that nobody else is going to be able to do the work for you. Nobody else is ever going to be able to save you. You're only going to hurt people if you continue to rely on others to bring you out of the dark hole that you brought yourself into. Make the choice, take the time, sit down with yourself. You don't need to bring a therapist into this. Sit down with yourself, go over the things you've done wrong, reach out to the people you have wronged, apologize, bring that truly with you. And if you just do that, delivering a facade saying you want to be better, but you're not actually doing the inner work, you're not actually going to make any change. And we here, we hope the best for you. We're not going to help you, but we hope the best for you. And we pray for you to find that the light that you can walk toward, even though you're so, so, so shrouded in darkness, there's still hope. You are not stuck in any situation, whether you are the survivor or the abuser, you can heal your past and you can move forward into a brighter future. Um, Like we said, this is a journey you'll have to go through partially, partially alone. If you are a survivor, you might have a great support system. If you were like me and you didn't have a great support system, you can do it alone, but you can also reach out Um, if you can't rely on anyone close to you, like a loved one, take that time with yourself. Know that you are strong enough to go through this yourself. You are strong enough to endure the abuse. You're strong enough to heal it. So yes. And like I said, if you're the narcissist, you can't rely on anyone, especially a loved one to hold your hand as you bring them down. You can't even rely on therapists or coaches. You need to do this work for your own self. You need to be the one that heals your soul. Um, it's okay to acknowledge our faults and it's honorable to choose to take back control of ourselves and begin to embody the highest version of ourselves. If we can, you can. That's right. Heather, yeah. Heather, the work you do rings so near to me and I'm sure as well to most of our listeners, this conversation alone was just so healing for me to have, um, to remember even years later that I did in fact endure suffering, real suffering, and I really didn't need to. And to now be where I'm at, where I feel so empowered and really truly in my own core. And I can see that you feel empowered as well. It truly shows the power of our choices and our will. We can bring ourselves out of what feels like hell and into a brighter tomorrow. Your work and your mission is so absolutely necessary. Thank you so, so much. And thank Thank you so much for being vulnerable and generous to share in conversation with us, opening the floor for you to share any final thoughts and also um, if you could let us know where we can find you again, um, that would be great. But yeah, wow. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed talking with you. And, um, you know, it's a tough thing to talk about. So I, I honor your talking about your experiences too. Um, so if anybody wants to find me, I do help people to um, heal 
um, I help survivors to heal from narcissistic abuse um, holistically and spiritually. And you can find me at peacockandpeasy.com. I'm also on Facebook, a little bit on Instagram, um, and I have a YouTube channel. But I look forward to talking with you and feel free to direct message me through any of those um, resources. I have a course that's online and it's self-directed. And then I also have a healing program um, where you use that course and those tools along with um, private coaching with me. And I'm, I'm an intuitive and I help people actually to recover um, if they've had soul loss. That's one of the things that can happen. But so that's I do a mishmash of things all designed to help people heal um, holistically and naturally and gently. And gently. I love that. That's beautiful. The gently part. Cause that was one thing I always said in the conversations with him. Can you be more gentle, please be gentle with me, be gentle with yourself and yeah. healing. That's a really good message. Um, I love that you have an actual course that's self-study that you can do on your own. That's very, yeah that's a course I really would have benefited from back in the day. So I hope some people take advantage of that. And I am so excited for what the future holds for both of us. And yeah, yes. I'll have those links um, in the summary of this podcast. So people can check those out and get connected. So thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Peace. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of My Sister Wisdom. Again, I am your host, Shannon. Tune in every weekend as I meet with women from all over the world, from all walks of life, as we discuss our passions, our works, our faith, and how we have gotten through some of life's biggest challenges to where we are today. Get ready to laugh, cry, smile, and learn a whole lot. If you would like to send me any convictions, questions, suggestions, or smiles, please email me at mysiswisdom at gmail.com. Until next time, shine on, sweet seeds.